All right, all right, all right. Welcome to episode five of Ink Deals. Five weeks in, man. Feeling good. How you feeling today? Feeling great. Yeah? Yeah. California, it's sunny outside, huh? I know. Yeah, from it's our recording nice. studio here. Sunny California. Southern California. Yeah, gotta love it. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, today uh, we really wanted to hit on first-time home buyers. And... Yeah, it's kind of a tongue twister, isn't it? Me being <laughs> dyslexic, you know, it's very difficult sometimes to articulate. It's a big word for you, Brandon, articulate. It's such a good word. I know, I like, I like it. it. Yeah. How things are going to come out. So with that being said, we want to go over some of the, I don't really want to say pitfalls, but some of the questions and concerns that arise when we work with people who are buying their first property. You know, sometimes it's a condo, sometimes it's a townhome, sometimes it's single family residence. You know, so let's start with some of the things that you as a lender have. I mean, I'm sure that they have a array of questions. They don't know if they can buy the property. They don't know what the hell to expect. And they just, you know, what do you run into? What's like yeah. the first thing that they say? I mean, the very first thing that I do and probably every other lender does or should be doing with first time home buyers is going over finances, what they want to pay, what's realistic, okay. you know, yeah. kind of break down their payments. So you yeah. know what they're comfortable with paying, what they qualify to pay, you know, monthly. Yeah. And kind of go from there. Yeah. Um that's really the biggest thing is figuring out if their expectations of yeah what they think their monthly payment's gonna be is realistically yeah. what their monthly payments are gonna that be. Makes sense. A lot, you know, you gotta think of homeowners insurance, taxes, HOA, depending on where they're living, plus yeah. the mortgage payment. Yeah. So it's really taking a big overview of their financial situation and yeah. getting that squared away before even going to look at homes. Yeah. You know, because you want to look at something that's in your price range. Is yeah. Probably what you also have to deal with is the, you know. Yeah. I mean, we call it sticker shock. Yeah. So it's like, you know, people like shiny objects, right? And when you have these companies and platforms like Zillow and Redfin that have, you know, these vibrant pictures of homes and you know don't get me wrong my guys that do my listing photography can turn you know a junk box into an amazing five-star resort right so it's like people start going on zillow and they just get click happy and they click on everything and then before you know it you know like well you know my my budget's five hundred thousand, and next thing you know, they're looking at two million dollar properties. Like, well, you know, if I sell my kidney and flip and you know this that and the other, we can buy the thing. And it's like, no, there's so many other like hidden you know, fees and closing costs and things like that, that are attached to the purchase of a larger property, including property tax, for example, yeah. it's going to skyrocket that. So I'm assuming, you know, you as a lender, you have to literally itemize a list for a lot of these guys and be like, well, this is, we call it a real estate agent is called a net sheet, but basically it tells them like, Hey, this is your down payment. This is your monthly payment. This is your closing costs. This is your interest rate, whatever. And then basically like here's your nut like this is exactly what you're going to pay a month and yeah. that's where they're literally like oh my god or okay we can make it work yeah and that's why it's important to talk with a lender yeah. really before you start looking at homes because you could go off on your own and start looking at homes and be totally out of the ballpark of what you can actually yeah. comfortably afford and you know it just gives you a little more focus on what kind of properties yeah. you should be looking at rather than just Clicking on everything on Zillow. Keeping up with the Joneses, baby. Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely, you know, probably the most important factor when getting yeah. started is just really diving into the financial yeah. picture before you, you kind of head out. That makes sense. And I know, 
you know, from a real estate perspective, a lot of it, when it comes to me coaching my, you know, first clients when they're buying their first property is, well, what is your reason for buying, right? Like, do you have, you know, a new, not a newborn, but do you have, you know, a son or a daughter that needs a specific type of school? Do they want a five-star school? Do they want, you know, a school that's academics versus, you know, sports related or vice versa? And so, it's really helping them kind of dive into, you know, you being a neighborhood expert and explaining to them, well, if, if you want a school that's sports related, you want to live, you know, in this area, maybe in Irvine or whatever it is. If you want to live, you know, somewhere by the beach, you want to maybe live in Huntington because it's affordable, but you can still go to the beach and surf every day. So it's really kind of, I don't want to say pigeonholing, but putting them in a specific area that matches their needs. So I always start there. And then generally, we kind of have what I call a baseline to build off of. So then it's like, okay, well, you have, you know, your baseline, your base layer. And then what are the things do you want? Do you want pools? Do you want four bedrooms? Do you want five bedrooms? Do you want a view? Do you want this? Do you want that? But, you know, piggybacking off of what you said, all of those things really can't be determined until they know what they can afford. So it makes it very difficult. You kind of don't want to re-engineer it or work backwards. You've got to start from a base and then kind of go up from there. Yeah. And then you have to, you know, depending on what they're looking at homes wise, I'm sure there's things that come up where you have to be kind of bringing it to their attention. Like, look, this may or may not be a good choice because of X, Y, Z, whether it's, you know, maybe they're new to the area and they don't know it like you do or something like that. Like they're moving from across the country or from Northern California or something. And so those things come up and you have to almost anticipate them. And make sure that they're at least aware, like, are, do you have family plans in the future? Yeah. Is this neighborhood, you know, kid friendly? Yeah. Like, yeah, you could have great walkability, but what's the crime like, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. You, those, all those things to consider and, yeah. uh, you know, types of property, which I'm sure you. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing that's the most difficult for these first time home buyers to grasp is where they're living, right? So we're based out of California. We live in California. It's a sunshine state, sunshine tax, yada, yada, yada. Like, just like you said, you know, people that are coming here from another country or another state are literally like blindsided by the cost of living here. I'd say besides maybe New York, it's one of the most expensive places to live. So it's like, you know, they sell their house in, you know, Kentucky or whatever for 200 grand. They come here they're like, I'm ready for a five bedroom. And you're like, well, five bedroom shack <laughs> in the desert yeah. or maybe some land. Yeah. And it's just like that. What I said before, that sticker shock moment is when if you're an experienced agent, you've been doing this for a while, which we both have, you kind of judge, not judge, but you get an understanding right then and there of what that client is capable of. You're like, right all right, I now know that this guy is not going to be buying a million dollar home. You know, we can find him a nice condo in, you know, a reputable neighborhood that's, you know, maybe guard gated, has a decent school district, whatever it is. And it will not be such an intense sticker shock from his $200,000 house that he sold prior. So, you know, we talk a lot about painting stories and creating, you know, an idea of what the perfect home is. Well, it all starts there and you need to ensure that they first and foremost understand their affordability and what, what you're actually getting. Yeah. I mean, your job essentially is taking their expectations, mm-hmm. what they can afford after they speak to me, <laughs> and like, meshing it, baby, meshing them together. Picasso. Um, yeah. no, it's, that's cool though. It's exciting. It is. Um, I mean, there's nothing better 
feeling wise for me in the industry than giving, you know, the keys to someone who's gotten or I'm sorry, not gotten, but purchased the largest asset of their life, basically. Right. And, you know, a lot of these individuals, it's like they, you know, are saving for years, you know, or they just got a raise and they're super excited. They're also very nervous, but they're also very excited. So you have to be very in touch with their emotions and their feelings when you work with these first time home buyers because they they don't know what they're doing, right? And not in the, not in a bad sense, they just literally don't know what they're doing. So yeah. it's like you just have to kind of hold their hand and be like I'm here for you. You know, I remember when I bought my first house and it's like you know, it's it can be a nightmare. Home. Yeah. It's scary. <laughs> scary. So yeah. You know, it's it, it's definitely a journey and you know, it's not for the faint of heart, you know, make sure you have two Red Bulls or two coffees or whatever the heck it is that morning and then meet with them and just hit the ground running, you know, but if you follow the steps and, you know, kind of the guidelines, if you will, that we've laid out, it's, it's easy to move through it. Just don't jump around and go, well, I'll show you this house and then we'll talk to a lender and then we'll talk about, you know, your affordability and then this and that. And now you've kind of thrown a wrench in the entire process. Yeah. Yeah, because maybe they get their heart set on something that they can't afford, can't afford or yeah. yeah, something you know in a area yeah. that they can't afford, and it it just gets all yeah. For you, when you're working with these first time home buyers from a lending perspective, what is like? How do I phrase this in a respectable manner? But <laughs> what is like the number one reason a deal would fall out? Um, it could be indecision on the buyer. Is a yeah. lot because yeah. you know, cold feet. Yeah, comes up. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a real thing. Yeah, that makes um, sense. You know, and if you've done your deal, due diligence as a home buyer and as a lender, you should have the qualifications nailed down. So obviously, yeah. you hopefully don't deal with like a job loss or anything like that. That's yeah. Gonna, you know, ruin it. But that would, regardless, that would ruin pretty much yeah. every real estate transaction, unless you're uber wealthy. Yeah. Um. So really it's just that initial, like, are we doing this or are we not? Because to be honest, like lenders, we talk to everybody. Yeah. Get them pre-qualified. Yeah. Maybe they start their home search. Maybe they don't. Yeah. Maybe they put an offer in. Maybe they end up getting all. I hear a lot of maybes, Brandon. A lot of maybes. <laughs> so you talk to a lot of people, but not everyone is is in the same kind of you know, timeline. Yeah. Very yeah. rarely do people go, okay, I'm ready to buy a home. Let's get pre-qualified. Okay, perfect. Let's go look at homes. Okay. Boom. Found one. Let's go. Step, step, step. Yeah. yeah. No, no, There's no. Line. It could be like, let's get pre-qualified and then they're gone. Let's go on vacation. And like a year or two later, they pop up. Hey, can we get pre-qualified again? Yeah. We're tired of renting. Yeah. And it's like, okay, like where have you been the last two years? Just renting yeah. still. It's just, you know, so it's really just the decision making yeah. to get to that point is, yeah. You, know, well, you don't know what they're dealing with and what personal life is like and yeah. you know all those things until they're really along through the process. Yeah. Um and I know you know we we haven't really talked about some of the benefits of being a homeowner. Now obviously there's a benefit of you have a home, which to seem to most people is like that's a benefit, right? But yeah, roof's good. There's tax breaks, there's depreciation, there's equity, you know, a lot of the things that we've talked about in prior episodes and I know you know, from a tax perspective, 
your you know mortgage has interest and the interest is fully tax deductible. So a lot of these loans, depending on how they're structured, you can get a high interest only loan for the first you know 10 years or five years or whatever it is of your term. And then it's like all of that is fully deductible. And then also everywhere, every year you have depreciation on the property. So you can use that as a tax haven as well. So there are a lot of you know benefits from a financial perspective to owning a home. And then obviously, like we spoke about last week, the equity factor. Yeah. When you're renting, you're just literally burning money. You know, yeah. you yeah. know. Yes, you don't have to pay for repairs in essence because the landlord will take care of them. You don't have to pay for property tax. You don't have to pay for HOA. But with that all being said, you're still burning the money. So when you own the property, yes, you pay those higher fees and you pay those things. But as the equity rises, it's still more than what you're paying. Because if you cash out, you're getting the equity. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is if you look at the largest producers of wealth in people's lives, it's mm. typically real estate. Yeah. And people that have owned real estate for the longest amount of time end up with the highest net worth at the yeah. end, you know, towards the end of their lives. So getting in is really taking that first jump into home ownership, yeah. which is always the biggest, scariest thing someone's going to do pretty much yeah. in their life. Um, but if you look at statistics, it's also typically one of the things that's going to set you up yeah. later in life because real estate always goes up. There's a limited amount yeah. of land and let's be honest, home builders aren't just pumping yeah. out more homes than people can yeah. live in. Um, so it's going to appreciate over time yeah. pretty much no matter what. And I think it's also, you know, it, it gives you maturity because now, you know, you have 30 years or 15 years, depending on how long your loan is, worth of payments you have to make, which means you have to stay employed, you know, unless you've got a huge nest egg or whatever. Yeah. And you get kind of a sense of a pride of ownership, right? Because now you have this asset and now you essentially have wealth. You know, a lot of people don't understand like, well, you know, I'm worth this much. and this. Well, unless you have assets, you don't really have a net worth. So it's like your net worth may be X amount of dollars, but do you have any assets tied to that? Yeah. Now, when you start buying properties, you have the assets, you have the equity, you have you know the net worth, you have all those things that are added to it, which give you kind of a sense of pride. Hundred percent. So yeah, I think as a human you, being, it just boosts you. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's where you see people our age. That's you know one of their biggest goals in life is purchasing their first home. You know, we're in our mid thirties, like people thirty to forty right now. They're in that prime yeah. home buying age. Although in California, that average age hundred is, is higher it's in the 40s now it didn't used to be but it's in the 40s yeah boy um you know it's just the cost of living here so yeah. yeah it's like once people get to a point where they're stable in their life career maybe starting yeah. families that's that big hurdle that big yeah. jump you know so it is awesome to lead people through that process and, and turn them from renters to yeah. homeowners and they have that pride and they have something to take care of and you know grow a family in or fix up, repair, yeah. like invest in. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of benefits for sure. What do you do when, you know, cause from a real estate perspective, generally a first time home buyer wants to see a lot of different properties right now from a lending perspective, if a first home time buyer thinks about, did I, did <laughs> I say it wrong? Yeah. yeah. First time home buyer. There you go. <laughs> someone buying their first house, Brandon, all right, relax. You made it this far. Yeah, it's true. I'm starting to lose control. <laughs> Anyways, you know, so we show them a lot of properties. Yeah. From a lending perspective, do you get the sense that like they shop loans? They're like, or are they not not at that level? Are they more like, I don't know enough about it. I'll just take your loan, your rate, or are they a little bit more educated? Like, no, I'm going to shop it and see if I get a lower rate. I think millennials, especially and younger mm -hmm. millennials to Gen Z, 
are they're going to do their due diligence and either a shop or b work with a broker who can shop for them which yeah is essentially what i do that so makes sense wholesale not so you're the retail. guy yeah so you're getting everything all the loan options programs and what i do is compare what's available for them yeah. and help them select the best one yeah um if you're in that mindset where some of the older generations where I worked in retail environments, they call mm-hmm. you, they call the next bank, they call the next bank. They have other 10 lenders calling them, calling them. And they're just hearing what's out there. Yeah. That's one way to do it. But let's be honest, nobody really wants to do that anymore. That makes uh, sense. Which is why the broker channel is, is growing. Um, so really it's just honing in on what that buyer can yeah. qualify for and what loan program is best for them. And then selecting the best rate and lender once they're, you know, at that yeah. point where they're going to lock a loan and yeah. move forward with a purchase. But yeah, so that's... Now, a lot of issues that I run into, well, not a lot of issues, but things that I've got to basically walk my clients through are the difference between getting pre-approved with a large financial institution like Bank of America, Wells Fargo, versus, let's say, a third-party institution similar to yourself that can shop a lot. So is there any positive or beneficial reasons to go with like Bank of America versus you? Uh, yeah. I mean, they're, depending on loan program is really what mm-hmm. it is. Like brokers, personally, we have access to everything under the sun. Okay. Wholesale rates. So typically will be better than retail rates, which is like if you're you know going to Quicken Loans or yeah. something, or you're walking down the street to your local mortgage branch or something. Typically, unless they're a broker. Yeah. Typically you have access to better rates. But if you're talking about like certain scenarios, like jumbo loan programs have always really been dominated by big banks, Wells Fargo, Chase, you know, um, credit unions sometimes have really good programs for their members. So and by dominated, you mean they offer the best rates or they offer, what is, what is dominating mean? What do you mean by that? Typically it's rates. Okay. Now, which is all any consumer cares about is rates. But when you're purchasing a home, you have to think about, Closing. Well, that's where I was going to go next. <laughs> Getting in on time. Yep. So I'm not going to say those are the best places. Absolutely not. Close quickly. And then there's a whole bunch of other programs in that jumbo you know, yeah. space. So depending on what you want, the big banks are really the cookie cutter jumbos. Okay. So you want to fit in a box, high earning W-2 employee, extremely high earning okay, bank jumbo may have the best option for you. With the lowest rates, yeah. Maybe. But now the broker channel is expanding into that jumbo mm-hmm. market as well, and there are competitive programs that are by very big lenders. Yeah. So if I give someone a pre-approval or pre-qualification, I'm usually already going as far as selecting a lender to yeah. preliminary start the file with and getting a pre-approval from them. So it's not like it's coming just from myself. Like It's running through an underwriter yeah. or an automated underwriting system that's going through and, you know, yeah. AI is huge. Now it's literally can read their income and tell you, yes, no, this yes, is what they're no. making that and makes sense. calculate yeah. it all for you. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Um, but that's actually through a lender. Yeah. So some of them, like for example, UWM biggest lender in the country, but they're yeah. wholesale only. So you're not going to call up UWM and get mortgage. You got to work with a broker to get them. Yeah. Um, so it is through a reputable lender. Now, I think what you've probably experienced is maybe someone does go around shopping and they're working with some random online lender rather yeah. than like a local lender. And that's where 
the sellers maybe are a little less, you know, inclined to go with, hey, you got no offense to Lone Depot, but like you got a pre-approval from some. It's okay, Brandon, you're in a safe place. (laughs) Some dude across the country that's working for Lone Depot or, oh, I know this branch like right down the road that you got this pre-approval from. Maybe they even know the loan officer. Yeah. So it does. I mean, more or less, you know, and again, this is for first time home buyers. It's, you know, a lot of the time they fall in love with the property, right? When you're an investor like myself and you buy investment properties, it's not, right. I don't need to love the place. I don't care. I don't live there. Yeah. Right. It's, a, it's more of a so, thing rather than a home thing. Exactly. You don't fall in love with it. You're not going to raise a family in it, whatever. But you know, where I'm going with this is you want to make sure that that client gets that property. You're going to do whatever it takes to get it right. So when they're shopping these loans and like, well, Bank of America is offering me 6.9% and Brandon's offering me 7.4 and it's an extra $300 a month. And it's like, go well, yeah, America. That, okay. <laughs> but this is where I'm going with this bank of America. Yes. They can give you the lower rate. Cause that's not where they make their money. Right. They also can't close in less than 30 days and they most likely can't remove their loan contingencies. Like we talked about in a previous episode in the expected time, it's going to take for me to win this deal and beat out multiple offers. So I recommend you pay an extra quarter of a point or whatever it might be to ensure we get the house because Brandon can close in 14 days. Yeah. Because he's a smaller institution and he can have more competitive, you know. More what, what's important, what it is. Correct. What's important to understand as well is the rate is not always the deciding factor, right? Because if you're going to save $200 a month, that's great. But if you don't get the house, what the hell difference does it make, True. right? Because you lost because you, you can't do a 15-day escrow with Bank of America. True. So, you know, all home buyers, in essence, need to understand that the rate is not always the most important factor because you want the damn home and you want the equity and everything like we spoke about in other episodes to rise. So it's like a lot of these smaller lenders, similar to yourself, and you're not small by any means, but in rec, you know, yeah, yeah, no, Bank I, of America, I, you can get better rates and you can close things quicker. Yeah. So it's like you need to understand those two, you know, ideas. And ensure that you, you know, put them into the offer to make sure you get the deal done. Yeah. So it's difficult sometimes to explain that to first, you know, buyers because they're like, well, it's rate, it's rate, it's rate. It's rate. No, there's so many other factors besides rate that you need to understand because you can always refinance down the road. True, true. And if you, you know? find a, I mean, the first time is going to be the scariest because you don't know the realtor, you don't know the lender. You've never been through the process. Everybody knows me, Brandon. And everyone knows you. <laughs> well, the, that's what I'm saying is you have to find what works for yeah. you. And then if you have a great process, which is always the goal, especially with first time home buyers is like making sure they're educated, making sure they are confident in their decisions. But then you use those yeah. realtors and lenders and you get more comfortable and things just, you know, as you buy more homes, yeah. that's your thing. Then you don't have to worry about getting the best rate because yeah. you know that hopefully me or someone else is getting you the best rate and they're also going to be able to close it for you and it's going to be on time. So, I mean, in summary, when you are purchasing a home, whether it's your first home or your 15th home, it's extremely important to surround yourself with a solid team, a lender, an agent, you know, an inspector, everyone else involved and ensure that they're all giving you the best pieces of information to bring the deal to the finish line on your terms at a price that works for you. 100%. And I mean, it's really not that much more complicated than that. Nope. You know, it's just meshing their expectations <laughs> with paint the picture, paint Picasso. The picture. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, well, yeah, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in again. Uh, we've got some exciting things coming up for our next episode. Yeah. So stay tuned. And, uh, yeah, thanks for sticking around. Time.